I've been invited to share with you today on the third core discipline of the Christian life that um, we have here at Covenant. Two weeks ago, you heard about solitude. Last Sunday, it was community. And today, service. So solitude, community, and today's service. We've had the same scripture text each week, and it shows the depth and richness of scripture that uh, just these 11 verses speak so well to all three of these themes. So again today, 1 uh, Samuel 3, 1 through 11, and it's found on page 215 of your Pew Bible, page 215. Now the Lord was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose sight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the Lord, word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. He got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the, word came, now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of those who hear of it tingle. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. If the phone rings in the middle of the night, it can make your heart skip a beat. Uh, there can be a slight panic. Oh boy, something's going on. People don't usually call at this time of night for no reason. And it doesn't have to be in the middle of the night. It can just be an odd hour when the people calling don't typically call. It alerts you that something's happening. And it can be good or not so good. We've had both at our house. The phone rings, our son uh, Peter and wife Brianna are both on the phone. My heart skips a beat. I wonder what's going on. Hey, mom and dad, you're going to be grandparents. Uh, joy, uh, pure joy. Or the phone rings and it's our sisters calling across from across the country. Wanted to let you know dad's in the hospital. That doesn't look good. Sadness. In today's scripture, it's nighttime. Samuel's laying down to sleep in the house of the Lord at Shiloh. Shiloh's the place where people go to worship the Lord and offer sacrifice. Samuel lives there because his mother Hannah made a promise to God that if she bore a child, which she hadn't been able to do, 
that she would dedicate the child to the Lord's service. And so when the, boy was, uh, the child was only a young boy, she brought him to live at Shiloh, where he can be of help to Eli the priest. Samuel, we're told, grew in stature and in favor with God and people. So on this particular night, Samuel's lying down. He hears a voice. It's the Lord calling, Samuel, Samuel. He runs to Eli. Here I am. Eli says, it wasn't me. I didn't call. Go back and lie down. So Samuel goes back and lays down. Again, the Lord calls Samuel. He gets up, runs to Eli. You called me. I didn't call. Go back and lie down. A third time, the Lord calls Samuel. He goes to Eli. Here I am. Eli now realizes it's the Lord calling. Go lie down, and if God calls, say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel lays down. The Lord comes and stands there calling, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I am listening. And the Lord says to him, I'm about to do something that'll make, in Israel that'll make your ears tingle. What should we make of this scripture? What's going on here that we need to understand and live into if we're to be people of service? I see three uh, emphases here. Number one, God is a God who calls, a God who speaks, a God who calls us into service. When Samuel heard the voice of the Lord that night, he was in a long line of people God has called. When God wants to do a work in the world, God takes the initiative and calls us to join him. God called Abraham, go from your country, go from your people, go to the land I will show you and I will make you a great nation and the world will be blessed through you. God took the initiative. God wanted to bless the world and called Abraham to join him. God also had things for the apostle Paul to do. God wanted Paul to scatter the gospel to the Gentile world, so Paul was called. God called me by his grace is the way Paul described it. The apostle Peter writing to us in the church said it's God call that made you a people, a people. It's God's call that makes you God's special possession. It's God's call that you should offer praise in response. When God wants to touch the world, God takes the initiative, God speaks, God calls. Samuel, Samuel. I'm guessing that some of you are thinking, I haven't heard the audible voice of God. It sure helped if God did speak loud and clear, but I haven't heard it. What the great teachers of the faith have said about that is that the call of God that he's already shared in scripture is pretty clear and there's a lot of it. The call of God, the Bible says, is the year to be a lover. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The call of God on your life is you're to be a lover. The call of God is that you're to be a prayer. Pray at all times, pray without ceasing, the Bible says. The call of God is that you're to be a grateful person, give thanks in all circumstances. The call of God is to go make disciples, share the faith, speak up. The call of God is that you're to be a good listener, be careful with your tongue, be careful with your words, be a good listener. 
The call of God is that you're to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Those scriptures are God's clear call to a new kind of life. And I don't know about you, but I still have a lot of work to do just on those. If God never speaks to me audibly, I have plenty to work on from what God has already said to me. Our God is a calling God who graciously invites us into a new kind of life and to be part of his redemptive work in the world. Samuel, Samuel. One of the great things the reformers did, Martin Luther, John Calvin, was they challenged the worldview of their day about what it means to be called of God. The teaching at that time was that there were two callings. One is a very high calling, and that's a calling to office in the church priest in the church, a bishop in the church. Luther himself was a monk. Those are high callings, very spiritual, very high and holy. And then there's a, a low calling, and that's the calling to be everybody else. A bricklayer, a lawyer, a clerk, a parent, a teacher, a business person, a doctor, a farmer. Those are good callings, but not as high a calling as a calling in the church. That was the world Luther and Calvin were born into. And both of them, after a study of scripture, said, no, there aren't two callings, a high calling and a low calling. There's one calling, and that's the calling to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. You and I, all of us, are privileged to work to the glory of God, whatever our vocation or place in life, God has put you in your work, your place, in order to be his presence there to shine for his glory. This had a revolutionary impact on society, that a bricklayer laying his bricks well and doing it to the glory of God is equally important to God as a bishop in the church or a wealthy entrepreneur. There aren't two callings, a high one doing spiritual work and a low one doing common work. There's one calling, and that's to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. If you're a school teacher, God bless you. Do it well to the glory of God. If you're a high-tech person at a desk, do it well to the glory of God. If you're a parent attending to your children, bless you. You get to be God's presence there. If you're a builder, build Christ into your buildings. If you're in business, build Christ into your business. John Calvin said, there is no work, however vile or sordid, that does not glisten before God. No work that doesn't glisten before God. Each of us has a calling to bring glory to God in the daily places of life. God has put you there to shine for his glory. You have a high calling to be a follower of Jesus Christ, right where you are, as you are, to be his presence, right where you live, work, and play. Our God is a calling God. There's a second emphasis here in our scripture, and that is that we respond to God's call with the heart of a servant, servant. Samuel, Samuel, the Lord called. One time, two times, three times. 
The fourth time he knew it was the Lord and he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel understood that in the order of things, the Lord is master, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. I think if we're honest, we all struggle with a tendency to put ourselves at the center of things. We tend to find the world a pretty comfortable place to live and we ourselves at the center. My life is bordered on the north, south, east, and west by me. Much of my daily mental life is calibrated around me. Push God to the margins, push God to the periphery. Samuel understood better. God is at the center. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. God is master, God is creator, we're the creatures. Jesus is Lord, we're followers. And that means our effectiveness in being a presence for Jesus wherever he's placed us in our daily lives, our ability to be effective in service, in service will be to the degree we approach it with a servant's heart. And you know what? You know what the great truth of the Christian life is? Maybe the most important thing I say all day. The great truth is that being a servant is a great place to be. It's a great place to be. Jesus said we find true life by losing our self-centered hold on this life. C.S. Lewis put it this way, the more we get ourselves out of the way and let Christ take over, then the more truly ourselves we become. The more we get ourselves out of the way, let Christ take over, the more truly ourselves we become. A servant is a person liberated by God's grace to be truly human. A servant is the woman or man who knows they're needy, they know they need God's grace, and in so doing, they become more truly themselves. Lewis actually illustrated this in one of his stories. He pictured a man who takes a one-day excursion to heaven. And when he gets to heaven, he's invited to stay as long as he wants. He's urged to stay forever. But if he wants to stay, he'll have to let go of his most precious sins. If he wants to stay, he'll have to humble himself and recognize someone greater than his own ego. And so he's walking around heaven, he's on this visit, and sitting on his shoulder is a red lizard, a red lizard twitching its tail. And it keeps whispering in the ears of this man, whispering all the reasons he shouldn't stay. This place is no good. This place isn't home. Whispering as it sits on the shoulder, twitching its tail. This lizard who represents all the commitments this man has given his life to, other than to God, whispering all the reasons he shouldn't stay in heaven. This place is no good. This place isn't home. But then comes another voice. It was, would you like me to quiet the angel, uh, the lizard? It was an angel. Would you like me to quiet the lizard for you? Oh, of course. Well, then said the angel, I'll kill it. And he reached forward. Ah, keep away. But don't you want him killed? Oh, we don't need to bother with something so drastic as that. It's the only way, said the angel. Shall I 
kill it. Well, I need to think about that. Actually, everything's going to be all right. He's asleep now anyway. Thanks ever so much. But no sooner, and the lizard starts chattering again. Don't let him kill me. I'll be good to you. I'll give you nothing but nice dreams, all fresh. I'll give you good sleep. But don't let him harm me. I'll be good to you. Do I have your permission, said the angel, to kill it? And in a final spasm of desperation, he screamed in agony, yes, go on, do it. God help me, get it over with. The angel closed his grip on the lizard and flung it down. And when that was done, the most amazing thing happened. The man started growing more and more solid. His upper arms and shoulders filled out. His neck and head turned golden. It was like seeing the actual completing of a human being, a true person, almost like the angel. It was happening right there, the maturing of a human being. And it all started when the burden he carried on his shoulder, the self-centeredness, was flung to the ground. The Lord called Samuel, and Samuel's response was, I'm your servant. To be a fully alive follower of Jesus is to get rid of all the lesser things that lure us and have power over us, allow ourselves to be humbled by the amazing grace of God, life empty of self in order to be full of God. Notice when God called Samuel, I, I like this, he said his name twice. It's almost as if God was honored to know Samuel. God was delighted to say his name. And each of you with your identity in Christ are more fully human than you ever imagined. Each of you as a beloved child of God are absolutely unique. There's not another person in the universe just like you. And there are people God has put in your life that you're the only one in all the world who can reach them and touch them with the grace of Jesus. No one else in all of God's kingdom can do it. You're unique. God knows your name, he knows who you are, and God is putting some unique people into your life that only the unique you can touch. You with your heart of a servant. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. The third final emphasis here in the scripture is God is up to amazing things in the world. God's always up to something amazing and He's up to something here and now in 2019. God called Samuel, he responds with a servant heart. Speak to me, Lord, speak to me. And what God said, I think, are some of the most intriguing words God ever shared. I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. I'm about to do things that'll give you goosebumps. I'm about to do something to astonish you, send shivers down your spine, make your ears tingle. In July, when we celebrated the anniversary of Apollo 11, uh, putting a man on the moon, some of the networks replayed their original broadcast, the entire coverage, just as it aired in 1969. And as I 
saw the people in the control center, as I watched the news anchor, I sensed the expectancy and the tension of how this was going to play out. So even as I watched 50 years later, knowing exactly how it played out, several times I got goosebumps, especially those times critical for Apollo 11, the launch, uh, then the moment when it left the Earth's orbit, the moment when Neil Armstrong looked for a place on the moon to land and had 16 seconds of fuel left, then when it was time to lift back off from the lunar surface, hoping the engine fires up, the moment they entered the Earth's atmosphere and it gets so hot that if the angle of entry is off a fraction, the capsule burns up. As I watched all of this, I was, uh, I was astonished. 50 years later, Samuel, Samuel, I'm about to do something that'll make the ears of those who hear it tingle. And God did do amazing things in Israel, and he did them through Samuel. The most amazing thing was the day he appointed David king of Israel. David changed history. His reign was a golden age for Israel. And it led to the greater David, the very Messiah of God. Jesus the Christ was born from the Davidic line. This greater David, this greater king, his life, death, and resurrection forever changed history, changed each one of our lives. That's enough to make our ears tingle, send shivers down our spines. As we gather here this morning as followers of Jesus and hear that our sins are forgiven, that Jesus is risen from the dead and that we get to share at this table. We're astonished. And there's even more to come. The Lord's promise to Samuel that night is also a promise to us. Believers at Covenant, I'm about to do something in Austin that'll make the ears of those who hear of it tingle. Every area of Austin life needs a Christian who will be my presence there. Business, government, retail, medical, technology, law, education, relationships. They all need Christ's presence. I call you by name, says the Lord. I'll work in you and through you to bring my grace, peace, and joy to others. Your acts of kindness, your sacrificial love, your words of encouragement, your words about Jesus can change someone's life forever. I think it's a great time right now to be a Christian. It's a great time to be a Presbyterian Christian. It's a great time to be a servant who serves. We live in a world that's changing at a dizzying speed. Progress in technology, medicine, information, mobility, social media. The pace is dramatic. It's happening exponentially. Everything is more, more, faster, faster, busier, busier. So many changes. And we're grateful for so many of them. They make life easier in many ways. But then you have to also factor in sin and brokenness. Things don't go perfectly. Problems erupt. The brokenness is exponential. So along with more progress, we have more brokenness, violence, vitriol greed, addictions, despair, loneliness. 
a world that lives under the weight of it. So it's a great time to be a Christian, isn't it? It's a special moment. The world needs Jesus, Austin needs Jesus, and it's we Christians with servant hearts who have good news to share. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We have a message of grace and truth and hope. We're examples of courage and kindness and forgiveness. Our God is a God who calls. God is speaking to each of us here today. I know your name, my servant, my servant. I'll work through you and in you, wherever you are, as you are. And the ears of those who hear it will tingle. And to you, church, I know your name, covenant, covenant. I'll do a great work through you as you serve me by serving others and the ears of those who hear it will tingle. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.